you know, oftentimes our subculture of who we are as the church overlaps with or crosses or even confronts a larger culture of the world or even the U.S. Let me give you an idea, just a picture of that. I don't know if you can see because of our lighting. Um, you have to look all the way over to the left or the bottom. Okay. <laughs> all right. We just sometimes we flow in sync and then sometimes uh, we don't. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today is because who we are and how we live and what we do next and where we're from is not controlled by our culture, but by the Spirit of God in us. Here's the big idea today. God remembers us and will be our provider and sustainer. Do not doubt that. Do not let go of that. Here's the application. We can find hope for our future by trusting that God remembers us, and he will be a provider and a sustainer. And we step into the blessing of that. We step into the reality of that by faith. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now, I have a scripture that's uh, just, and, and I'm real careful about taking an Old Testament scripture and then just lifting it up and dropping it on to, you know, 2021 and saying, Oh, look, that's it. And I think we do that with verses. A friend and I were talking about that yesterday, I think, or the day before, you know, just how, how we, will, we will do that sometimes. So I, I want to be careful not to be, you know, to not have integrity about that. But at the same time, uh, I, I just think it's beautiful sometimes how there's a metaphor. There's this picture that you see, whether it's Old or New Testament, and you can just drop it down on where we are and go, oh, my goodness, look at that. And there's just a lot of similarities there. So this is a little bit of a lengthy passage. I don't know, it's about uh, nine or ten verses, I, I think. But uh, And I know that it's hard sometimes, uh, and I think this is a spiritual thing, uh, for folks to, to tolerate two things publicly, and that's long prayer and long scripture reading, um, which is a little ironic. So hang in there with me, and I, I think you're going to see this story unfold. But I want you to just, we're going to take a snapshot of this moment where God is doing something powerful and beautiful and fresh and new with his people. So here we go. It's in Zechariah chapter 8, beginning at the fourth verse. We're going to go through the 13th verse. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Once again, old men and women will walk Jerusalem's streets with their canes, and they will sit together in the city squares. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. All this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people, but is it impossible for me, says the Lord of Heaven's armies? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. You can be sure that I will rescue my people from the east and from the west. I will bring them home again to live safely in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and just toward them as their God. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Be strong and finish the task. 
Ever since the laying of the foundation of the temple of the Lord of Heaven's armies, you have heard what the prophets have been saying about completing this building. Before the work on the temple began, there were no jobs, no money to hire people or animals, no traveler was safe from the enemy, for there were enemies on all sides. I had turned everyone against each other. But now, I will not treat the remnant of my people as I've treated them before, says the Lord of of heaven's armies. For I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity among you. The grapevines will be heavy with fruit. The earth will produce its crops. The heavens will release the dew or the rain. Once more, I will cause the remnant in Judah and Israel to inherit these blessings. Among the other nations, Judah and Israel became symbols of a cursed nation, but no longer. Now I will rescue you, and I will make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. So, don't be afraid. Be strong, and get on with rebuilding the temple. Zechariah's name means one who Yahweh remembers. And it's just a beautiful picture of his whole message and what he's going to teach us today. He was a prophet of Israel. This was about 500 years before Christ. And he was born in Babylon as a slave. He was born a slave. So he he understood that. He was a member of the family of the high priests. Uh, His family had returned to the land of Judah under the leadership of Zerubbabel and Joshua. That's just a little history for you because I think it's kind of important to see the context and to see who is it that's writing this message. This guy just brings so much to the table. Uh, And you see that in in Nehemiah 12. Zechariah was a contemporary of Haggai, whose prophet we spoke from last week, Zerubbabel, uh, Joshua the high priest. And there have been times I've wondered if these people ever crossed paths, you know, if they ever had like big conferences and they would be on the, they'd see each other or they knew each other. I don't know. But uh, the, the book is written in a, a genre that's it's called apocalyptic literature. And there's several books in the Old Testament that are written in that way. And there's one in the Old Testament, the very end, that's written like that. Folks, when we see... Uh, change, especially when change happens, you know, comparatively really rapidly uh, in our culture, and we've lived through that, right? We have seen things happen, happen so fast, or we see things that are unfamiliar to us, things that were unpredictable or, uh, or destructive in nature. It can be hard to believe that God can and is redeeming the situation and that he will create beauty from that. Some of you online listening today, some of you in this room, some of you who hear this message over the next several days, you're in a place where you don't really believe that. You kind of do, but not really. God spoke to his people and he encouraged them that there's going to be life again. 
And I know sometimes we get tired of that kind of language, right? We're going to get past this. I was talking to someone this morning, and we were saying, you know, back, uh, I have a, this new mask that a, a friend gave me that's a KN95. It's really good. And I had one in the very beginning uh, that I wore. And I, then I wore the uh, the temporary ones, you know. And the thing is, this is, this is so me. I didn't want to buy, I didn't want to go out and buy a really nice mask because I thought, well, by April, this will all be over. And then I'm stuck with this mask. So in April, I thought, well, June. And I remember being in staff meeting and saying, okay, and this is over by June. And when the students come back in the fall, we'll be, I mean, I was so, we were all a little bit naive about the scope of this. Uh, and even, even going forward with that. And, and it can be discouraging when you hear someone say, you know, they're trying to be encouraging um, but we say things like, well, you know what, everything's going to be good, and it's going to get better, and it's going to be thing. Yeah, you know what, I just, I really don't feel that. I, I, don't, I don't believe it right now. And I think in lots of ways, some of our hearts are right there. And our minds and our hearts struggle sometimes to see past what our physical eyes see what you hear on the news every night. Some of you just inundated with that, you know, and you're, and you're, just, you're just covered up with that, and, and it leads you into a different place uh, sometimes in the response to the Lord with your faith. Uh, giving ourselves time to adjust to what we've all called, and it's become a cliche, the new normal. It isn't easy, is it? And if you've got a personality like mine, you want it to happen like yesterday, right now, uh, when the vaccine came out, you know, and I thought, oh, man, now we're, we're all going to get well. And I looked on the demographic chart. I'm, I'm like next May or June. <laughs> I think that's best case scenario. I think, okay, I'm still a ways away. And we don't know that that's an ultimate cure. And that's just for one a piece of the pie. You know, that's just one part of what we're struggling with in our culture. In other cultures, it's not easy. But sometimes God just takes time. He does that for you personally, and he does that in bigger ways too. Now in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 12, it mentions the seed. He says that that's growing well. The seed's growing well. He says the vines are yielding fruit. He says this crop production the rain that's going to fall, all that is seasonal. All of that is, is part of a process, and it takes seasons for that to unfold. And as badly as you wish that your situation would change right now, I've been there, and that everything would be different when you wake up tomorrow, and that it would just, this would be over, or this would get started, or whatever it is, it may be. Uh, of politics, it could be relationships, it may be where you are financially, uh, you, you may be in a hole and you think, wow, Lord, I just, I need out, and I need out of this right now, this is, about, this is about to kill me, and God says, I know, I understand, but I'm with you here in the hole, and it's going to take some time, it may not change overnight, give the Lord by faith time to work and trust him in the meantime 
in that interim period where the Lord is with you and you're healing, and there may be a, a, a change in your situation that happens just real quickly, but then there will be, you know, a, a continual healing for that. I know a young man who entered into what I call the exchange life, who really understood his identity in Christ. And everything changed overnight. I mean, he was just like a brand new guy in, a, in just an instant, in the blink of an eye. But the consequences of his lifestyle and, and, and the effects that it had on his brain and on his body and his habits and his lifestyle, that took a while. And that's a process called sanctification where, where we continue to lean into that and we're renewed day by day, day by day. I think it's the same with things, whether it's inner, you know, it's, it's in something inside of us, or whether it's outside, whether it's something, you know, we say, well, I think this is changing, but it's not changing fast enough for me. And folks, it never changes fast enough for me, right? Now, these folks were in uh, kind of a, a terrible situation, um, but God identified them as the remnant which I think sounds kind of cool. It's the remnant. And maybe that's an unfamiliar term to you. Uh, one lexicon defines it as the remaining part or the survivors of something, especially a slaughter. The survivors of, you know, this, this terrible thing. During times of significant change or when you're just stressed, and you wake up in the night or, you know, you wake up first thing in the morning and this is what you think about and during the day and it's, and it's just causing you your thoughts and, and everything about your mood. And everything. We, we can find support and sustenance by, first of all, staying connected to Jesus. Whatever you've got to push past to keep that link open. It's incredibly important. And your emotions... Even physically, your eyes, you may get up in the morning and think, yeah, I know I need to spend some time with the Lord. You know, I just don't feel like it. I just don't want to. Do you think that that is a coincidence? Or do you think that that is not a spiritual battle? I mean, you, you, you never feel that way about other things, right? Whatever your heart is given to. You know, some of you love to read. Or you love to watch television. Or you, you love to... To see a movie, or you do this, or this kind of a hobby, or whatever it is, and you think you, you rarely have those instances where you look at that and think, oh, "I just, I just really don't want to watch my show today." You know, I don't want to finish this series on Netflix. Or, no, no you're, you, you just you you go there because there's that. Listen, if you will continue to push past those emotions, God's going to open your heart, and there will come a time, and it may go through this process. Remember, we talked about the seasons. It may be that you're pushing against it and saying, wow, what is this that's come up in me that just doesn't want to do it? And I'm going to push past what I want to do. And then there becomes this neutral place where you don't really, you don't think, I don't really have a desire to, but I don't really have a desire not to. And then the beautiful thing is God begins to move your heart into a place. We just sang about this a moment ago where he has changed you from the inside out. And then there becomes this desire, this longing and this thirst that in you. But it can come in seasons. So that stay connected to the Lord during that time. It's just crucial. And here's another thing. 
these folks hung on to each other. They were the remnant. You know, they looked around and it's it's just us. (laughs) We need each other. Stay connected as best you can to the body of Christ. And I know some of you, you can't even get out of your house right now. And some of you are watching online thinking, this is my link to Calvary today. And I know it feels distant and there, there feels like there's this separation or this space there. That's okay. You know what? You just keep leaning into that. And those of you in the room, do the same thing wherever we are. Stay part in any way that God gives you uh, uh, being connected to the body of Christ. And fortunately, we live in a time where you've got FaceTime and Google Duo and Zoom, and you've got, you know, all these ways that we can stay connected with one another. Uh, it's just, just really important. Just as Zechariah's name means one whom Yahweh remembers, we are known by God, and we are supported through his people. Those are two big connections. God takes bruised and broken and wounded people and he restores them to health and to wholeness. Don't you let go of that. Hold on to that. Zechariah 8.23 says this, This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. Now, do you see this mental image, this picture, this word picture? You've got this one Jew whose heart is just full of the Lord, you know, and he's just walking with the Lord, and he's walking along, and people can so see the joy and sense the presence and the hope and the fullness of the Lord. They think, wait a minute, I want to go with you. And so they just grab hold of his hymn, and somebody else does. And so you've got this guy, and he's dragging ten people around with him. Because we are the ones, listen... I, I just got to tell you my heart, I'm just, I'm so worn out, and I'll just say American Christians, okay? I don't know, for us to have this attitude of, well, we're the remnant, we're the remnant, we're just going to hold on until Jesus comes. What is that about? Folks, some of us are just living in such defeat, and God says, no, you're the remnant. Listen, you are the remnant. You are the people that I have placed in your high school. You are the people that I have placed specifically and planted as missionaries on the campus of the University of Tennessee. In your jobs, in your homes, in your neighborhoods. He says, you're not, I'm the remnant. I'll just live here on my street representing Jesus as sadly and as gloomily and as hopelessly as I can. I just feel like we come across like that sometimes, even in ourselves. And we, folks, we've got to snap out of that. Sometimes I just think over time we let ourselves buy into that. And we feel so victimized. And we feel like we're such a minority sometimes that we forget who we are in Christ. In Zechariah's time, all that was left of the nation of Israel 
was this small remnant of the past Jews. After 70 years in Babylon, during the first year of his reign, Cyrus, the king of Persia, released the Israelites. And he says, you can return and you can rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Now, unless you were 70 years or older, you don't even know what a temple, you've never even seen a temple. All you've seen is this other culture. And some of you, you're going to grow up in such a different culture than a lot of our folks in our church who are, say, 70, 80, 90 years old. The world they can relate to and they grew up in is so different from from your world. And you're thinking, Dan, I've never seen a movement of God. I've never seen God's people rise up in love and in unity. And God is calling us out. I think just like he did these people. He said, to them, he said, I want you to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. That's going to be my statement. That's going to represent, that represents in that day and time, that generation. He said, what is it that declares I'm in this place? It was a temple. He says, I'm going to put a temple there and, and, and we're going to declare. And what we're saying is we hope Messiah comes. We're still looking for Messiah. When they returned to their homeland, here's what happened. Maybe you can relate to this. They were met by strangers who were practicing this mixture of religions. There was all kinds of things going on. And it was those people who brought, you know, this sense of here's who God really is with them. And that always gets a reaction. They were met with hostility. They were judged. They were condemned. They were made fun of and mocked and ridiculed as a people who had lost everything. That culture that they came back to said, you used to be relevant. You used to be important, but you're not anymore. We're very diverse now. And there's really not room for you God followers. These folks had lost everything. Can you imagine having everything about who you are just ripped away from you? Maybe some of you feel that way. Their home, their city, their self-esteem, even their identity as the people of God, even their temple, even the Ark of the Covenant, everything that was precious to them, everything that, that, that spoke of God's presence and affirmed and reminded them of that was gone. Every anchor, every everything that they could point to and go, well, at least we got the Ark of the Covenant. They said, no. A faithless people that God allowed them to be exiled into this forced captivity and servitude. It's not what they wanted by any means. Scripture says that people even joked, not just about them, but their God. And they said, oh, is your God, he must be too weak, or he's tired, or he really doesn't care enough about you to liberate this nation, and you have crumbled into nothingness. You're so insignificant. And some of you walk down the halls of your school, and you think, I just feel significant. 
insignificant. I just, some of you in your family, you think, I'm the Christian, and, and, and it just doesn't seem to count. Faith is speaking words and taking actions that activate God's power around you. That's what faith is. Let the word of God take root in your spirit. Because you know who you are in your spirit. You have that witness. You have that testimony that we just sang about a few minutes ago. Let the word of God grow in your heart from that place. And the devil may try to talk you out of it. He most certainly will. But your one and only job is to believe and to trust the Lord. That's all you got to do. I'm not giving you a to-do list that's 10 things long or 20 things long and saying, well, if you're really a Christian on the campus, if you're really a Christian in your neighborhood, here's what you'll begin to do. And God says, no, you know what? I'm not about all of that. You just believe me. Keep your eyes on me. Listen to me. You believe me and you trust me. Let's start right there. This is what the lady in Luke chapter 8 did. Let me remind you of this story in the New Testament. That's just such a good illustration of this. The experts had told her, ma'am, we're so sorry, but you will never get well. What you have is incurable. God wanted her to have a better life. Her condition was so great that she couldn't be with her husband She could not hold a child. She could not hug or touch another human being. She had spent all of her money on doctors and had gotten no results. She couldn't go to the temple. She was was online, okay? She, She had to stay home. She couldn't connect. She had to cover her head when she would walk down the street to hide her identity. But she heard that Jesus was coming to town. This woman was filled with faith. And she got the opportunity, and in this moment of faith, She reaches out and she just barely touches the hem of his robe. And immediately, Jesus said, who touched me? Now, the disciples would have been confused because they're thinking, well, everybody's touching you. Look how crowded he goes, oh no, somebody touched me in a different way. Somebody reached out with faith and touched the hem of my garment. Who touched me? Because power, power's going out of me. Folks, what we're doing is exactly the same thing as what this lady did. We are going to reach out to Jesus in the new normal, whatever that looks like for you. We're just going to touch the hem of Jesus' robe. Because Christian is more than a label or a title or a religion. It is is your identity. You're the remnant. Notice what 
Jesus does, and what he calls the woman who touched him, he, he says in that text, daughter. And that literally means descendant of. It's a New Testament way of saying an Old Testament word. It's a, it's a Greek way of saying a Hebrew thing. What he was doing was identifying her specifically as a descendant of the remnant that Zechariah, the prophet, was talking about. Was talking to these people from all languages and nations. He said, and they would take firm, holy of one, you know, boldly of one Jew by his robe. This concept of the remnant is found specifically in the Greek New Testament in Romans chapter five. Excuse me, chapter eleven, verse five, and Paul says. We are the remnant of God's people by grace. So in that day, in Zechariah's time, what identified the people as God's people, you know, were that temple. Whoever gathered at that temple, whoever went to that temple. A friend was telling me recently that when when they converted to Christ where they lived, that if you began to go to church, they write your name down. And then your name is sent along to your school and to your employer and saying they're a church attender, just so you know. You're identified by that action. We are identified in the New Testament as the temples of God. And it's His grace, His love in our lives that's the identifying mark. This is how people know of his presence here. It's through you. It's through me. As we live by faith and as we love people. Jesus said, this is how they're going to know you're my disciples. That you're the remnant. It's because you love in an extraordinary way. Who do we love? Everybody. When do we love them? Always. So let me ask you something. Um, I'm just going to, for those of you in the room, if you would just just stand with me. Um, Where is the Spirit of God leading you to surrender your flesh, your mindset, your negative outlook on the future, and just by faith reach out and take His hymn and just hold on to Him? Is there a specific place where you need to apply that in your life? Is the Holy Spirit bringing that to your mind? If there is a place that you can sense in your life you've not been living by faith, you've given in to one of these these things that just so discourages you, but today you're going to say, you know what? By faith, under grace, I'm going to step back into a place of belief and trust in the Lord today. You may go two steps forward, one step back, that's all right. But today you can declare, you know what, in this area where I've given myself over either accidentally, unintentionally, or specifically to the enemy, I'm taking that ground back today. I'm allowing Jesus to be, to fill me, make me his temple. Do you have a place like that in your life? 
you just slip your hand up and back down. Say, God, in that area, I'm giving it back to you, Jesus. Father, I pray that we would be your temple, that we would be your remnant in this culture. And that we would not just feel sorry for ourselves and just whine and complain and post and, and just wish things were different. There's a part of our heart that, that wants to do all of that. Father, today we're going to step out in love. And we're not just going to get through this. We're going to change the culture around us. Beginning in Knoxville. Beginning in my neighborhood. Beginning in my family. My school. In Jesus' name.